Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast at Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Just look for us at Radio Islam USA. Uh, we are pleased to have joining us in this second half of our show, award-winning writer Layla Abdullah Poulos. Uh, she has an extensive background in literary criticism, uh, has a BA in historical studies and literature, an MA in liberal studies, and an AC, academic certificate for those of you who are not uh, up on the nomenclature, in women and gender studies. Uh, she is a professor, history professor and writing coach. Uh, Layla is the managing editor for the uh, for NBA Muslims blog on the Patheos Muslim channel. The blog highlights the heritages, experiences, and cultural productions of nat- native-born American Muslims of African-American, indigenous, Latinx, and European descent. She frequently writes book reviews for NBA Muslims as well as conducts online interviews with Muslim authors for NBA Muslims, Authors Speak. Layla also writes reviews for literary publications, and she enjoys a reputation for giving insightful and critically constructive reviews. Thank you and welcome to Radio Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's actually interesting because I'm used to being in your seat, so treat me gently, please. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had the, uh, the the pleasure of watching uh, watching some of your your uh, your interviews. Uh, I, I really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed them. So, um, well, first let let me start off by asking you to give a little bit of background on uh, on MBA Muslims. Okay, well, MBA Muslims is something that I started back in 2015 as far as part of my thesis work. Mm-hmm. I wanted. To ha- I wanted the topic of my thesis to be on Muslims, and I quickly learned that that is a very broad subject <laughs> to be covering. And as I continued my studies, I realized that there was a void in the appreciation of a very of very specific heritages in American Muslim culture, and that is where I could get the term NBA Muslim, native-born American Muslims. And it includes African American, Euro American, Latino American, and Native American Muslims. And those are the parameters I set up because there may be other groups that may identify as Native born American Muslims, but you can't cover everyone. And those groups represent a particular population of Muslims who have an extensive heritage in the United States as well as, as, well as a nascent application of Islam. A lot of the things that, uh, a lot of the Islam that it crystallized in the United States among native-born American Muslims, the majority of it is something that is, that was developed here in the United States. And so I wanted to really focus on that group. And also I realized that the cultural artifacts of those groups of Muslims is largely ignored because the broader society seeks to really, uh, uh, present Muslim, Muslims in the United States as inherently foreign, no true ownership in Americanness, 
And uh, that is simply not the case. There have been Muslims in the United States before the United States was even a country. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to focus on that and the cultural production of Native-born American Muslims. Well, I I love the title, uh, Native-born American Muslims, and the fact that it is so uh, inclusive. Um, Yeah, I I think that's wonderful. Uh, What are some of the genres... Uh, or not just the genres, what are some of those uh, cultural artifacts or cultural productions um, that have been contributed by native-born American Muslims that you feel are, uh, that, that are ignored and overlooked? Well, I think a lot of them. I, um, in my, during the beginning of NBA Muslims, I focused on literature. Mm-hmm. But I quickly learned, unfortunately, that across the board, a lot of the artistry of native-born American Muslims is widely ignored by the broader society and by American Muslim culture. There seems to be a preference for um, Middle Eastern and South Asian Muslim cultural productions. They get a lot of support. They get a lot of amplification. And native-born American Muslims find themselves consistently struggling, even though they've been contributing to the culture of the society for centuries. So I would say across the board that, that, that it's problematic. I think among African Americans who represent the largest population of native-born American Muslims, that's even more so, because considering the fact that blacks, is, let's, let's, get, let's bring them all together, uh, represent one-third of the population of Muslims in the United States, we're severely underrepresented or just plainly ignored. And so what I wanted to do was be the cheerleader for Native-born American Muslims because they're creating great things out there, and they're, they, they're, they're blazing trails in ways that other Muslim populations aren't. And they, all, they also have very unique perspectives that can enrich American Muslim culture in totality if Muslims, in all Muslims, really learn to appreciate what it is that Native-born American Muslims have to offer. Mm. So there's definitely a different sensitivity uh, and perspective that's present uh, with Native-born American Muslims. Um, well, let me ask you this. What are some of the, uh, the, the genres uh, within literature right now, that being uh, one, uh, the focus, uh, that Muslims are underrepresented? Well, I don't think that they're underrepresented. I think that Native-born American Muslims, especially African-American Muslims, actually are, do, are, are presenting literature mm-hmm. in ways that other Muslim groups are not. Uh, it's been my experience and my observation in my research, for example, that African-American Muslims in particular write across, across subgenres. So they've been writing in romance. They've been writing in sci-fi. They've been writing in contemporary fiction where other Muslim uh, groups have really kind of stuck to young adults and children's books. Unfortunately, there just isn't enough support out there. And even it's been my experience among publishers, and I hate to kind of like come at this level, but I'm going to have to because that's the way I usually do anyway. (laughs) So they should be used to it. When it comes to publishers who purport to want to present Muslim publications, Unfortunately, a vast majority of them are very, very unwelcoming to the works that African-American Muslims in particular have to present. And so a lot of them end up self-publishing. And that's that's one of the reasons why it may seem like we're underrepresented, 
when we're actually creating all this great literature, but it's just simply ignored by our fellow Muslims in totality. So uh, is a part of the work, um, or maybe I should ask, uh, the mission as part of the mission of uh, MBA Muslims is that to put these uh, ignored or, or, or stifled um, uh, writers uh, out into the public eye to, to, uh, to broadcast uh, their work? Well, actually, everyone, I, I, I realized that one of the things that I wanted to do was not only focus on writers, I wanted to focus on uh, NBA Muslim artistry because it is so dynamic. And it started off with writers. I um, started off with the book reviews and interviewing the authors so that readers can get to know the authors. And it's since expanded because I also have Art and Society, where I, where I invite artists to kind of talk, to talk about social topics as well because they, they're struggling out there. And it's amazing because there's so much talent. And, you know, honestly, some of the best talents that we have as American Muslims are among the most ignored groups. And so, it's like, some of the best authors that are out there, some of the best performing artists that are out there are, are just simply ignored by the American Muslim population. And that's unfortunate. So that's the reason why I do the work that I do because even if it's small and NBA Muslims is very small we just started out and I'm hoping that we grow Mm -hmm. even though it's small it's still ours and it's still a place where NBA artists can have a a space to show their brilliance and their geniuses. So has it become uh, well as you as you said it's in its beginning stages correct? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, is it is is the goal for it to become somewhat of a of a cultural exchange? Well, it's it's actually um, it's an amazing thing that is happening, and it just happened this month in Black History Month. Is that there? I've noticed that uh, some of that muting mm-hmm. of creativity and talent that, in particular, African American and Black Muslims face, is happening overseas in the UK, in particular. Because I had an opportunity to talk to some um, scholars and, and, and writers over there, and there's just really this muting, this stunting of creativity. So I would like to kind of reach out over the Atlantic and start some stuff up there as well, because I think it's desperately needed. I find it criminal, in my view, that people who have a history and a heritage of producing such great artistry and cultural contributions are finding themselves placed in a position where they have to decide between the cultural creativity that their creator gave them and worshiping their creator. And I see that that happens Mm. a lot, especially to African-American and black Muslims, and I would really like NBA Muslims to be a part of kind of turning that tide and switching that paradigm over because I just really think that there's some great artistry out there that if we give them the room and we give them the support, it will be some amazing things that they're able to do, inshallah. Inshallah. Uh, That definitely goes into uh, a conversation on how we allow ourselves to be defined um, Mm -hmm. as Muslims and what the parameters of of our cultural expression uh, are going to be. Um, This being Black History Month, uh, NBA Muslims has uh, has embarked on a a really wonderful uh, campaign. Would you go ahead and tell the Radio Islam family a bit about that? 
Uh, we started a campaign, hashtag Black Muslim Reads, and I, it, was, it began really as a way of celebrating black Muslim authorship, the, the things that black Muslim authors are producing, which, again, goes largely ignored. I hate to use the E-word erasure because people become sensitive to that, but the reality is that there's some very significant things that black Muslims have been producing for centuries. I even get to the centuries. I kind of stayed, tried to stay within the last 150 years. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't realize how much there is. I cannot believe how many works came out. We, we started a campaign. There's a giveaway attached to it where five people who use the hashtag the most will get a gift box from Five Keys with some wonderful treats in it and a book by a black Muslim author, one of five black Muslim authors who are going to be a part of a Twitter chat about black Muslim leads on the 25th. So I hope everyone kind of goes onto Twitter and joins that chat. And I, it, it's been amazing. It trended a couple of days, which I did not expect at all. Mm-hmm. And people really started showing books, pictures of books of written by black Muslims. That was the parameter. It has to be a black Muslim author. And it's, it's voluminous, the amount of, of, of literary contributions that black Muslims in the United States and in the U.K. have produced, and that there aren't so many Muslims' bookshelves, yet there's such an underappreciation for black Muslim authorship as, as, as a cultural contribution. And so it's been very amazing. Black Muslims have, have tweeted time and again, and they've been active on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, they, they really took it over, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they felt really empowered by seeing, look at this great authorship, nonfiction, fiction, the scholarly works alone, the things that, that black Muslims contributed have been, have been like staples, and even we have uh, Muslim scholars like Omar Suleiman who uses, uh, uses uh, books in his, when he teaches by black Muslim authors, because in the United States, how can you possibly address Muslimness, Islamic history, without including black Muslims and the contributions of black Muslims and the contributions of black Muslim authors? It's going to be incredibly myopic, and it's, not, it's going to be incomplete. It's, it's going to be one-dimensional. You have to be able to include that to have a well-rounded, dynamic discussions and appreciation for, Amer- for American Muslim culture and Islamic history in the Americas. Mm. Well, I, I don't think, well, I should say, I don't think the Radio Islam family uh, would be surprised, or many people that I know, and I might be just, just speaking with, um, uh, with a bit of, of bias, but would be surprised by the scholarly works that have been produced by uh, mm-hmm. by African American Muslims, by Black Muslims. But I am probably I am thinking that quite a few people would be surprised by the uh, by the those that are writing romance and fiction. Um, those aren't those aren't really genres that we we generally talk about that we mm-hmm. that we attached um, Black Muslim uh, uh, faces to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think fiction is underappreciated in in the present-day Muslim culture. Mm -hmm. There is a rich heritage of fiction in African-American culture in particular. Let's let's just kind of use that as an example. It's called the African-American literary tradition, where African-American writers have contributed 
to this tradition and or and used it as social commentary to address issues of facing uh, African Americans as representation. It's been this rich cultural heritage all the way back to Phyllis Wheatley, who when she wrote uh, her fantastic poem, she got put on trial because they could not believe that this black slave woman could create such great work. So it's, we're part of this rich tradition and of using fiction in particular to present our stories, which is extremely important, and as social commentary. And, and, and there, it's a, a, a lot of genres, and some of them we actually created. So like urban fiction, that was created by African Americans who wanted to tell particular stories, and the larger publishing industry ignored them and derided them. So they decided, you know what, we're going to do it ourselves. And it became this huge money-making genre, and then publishing houses were more interested in it. And I think that Muslims can do that, too, and I hope, inshallah, that they can, because one of the things that I see in this fiction that's produced by NBA Muslims is rich, rich social commentary, but also at the very underpinnings of the plot is Islam. And that's something that's been unique when you're looking at American Muslim fiction, that NBA Muslims, in particular African-American and black Muslims, have taken Islam and infused it into the plot. The characters have a very um, strong Islamic identities. The plot, they, 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 their characterization and the, their motivations are moved according to Islamic teachings, in a way that's not preachy or anything like that, but it's their cultural experience. And so one of the things that I loved was that when I read it, I, I read about the cultural experience that I had as an African-American Muslim. So, for instance, you may see the word Kimar instead of hijab, okay? mm-hmm. because that's what we've been, we call, we've been calling it all of these years. So... African-American black Muslims have been writing all of these great works across genres, not just romance, but romance is very rich. I mean, they are the quintessential romance, Muslim romance writers, where it's about the faith and about love and infusing faith and love. That's African-American and black Muslims that are doing that in ways that other groups of Muslims aren't doing that. So I think that it's underappreciated, and if we learn to appreciate it more, and embrace it more, we can actually have this stupendous culture and create this huge canon where all of our stories are shared with the rest of the world because non-Muslims are very interested in, not so much as the, as in uh, gays, African-American, NBA Muslims tend not to write in that fashion where we're writing for the gays and writing for acceptance. Mm-hmm. We're actually telling our stories for each other and for anyone who wants to listen, but these are our stories. And there are a lot of non-Muslims that are actually interested in them. There are some African-American Muslim authors that have crossed over. They started off in, in um, non-Muslim, writing non-Muslim books, and then they crossed over into writing Muslim fiction, and their readership followed them because they were interested in the stories that this author had to tell. So it's something that's very, very possible. I think if Muslim communities appreciated it more mm-hmm. and embraced it more, and if, I, if there was a whole lot less, anti-blackness and allergy to reading the works of black Muslims, we can be enriched as Muslims in the society in totality, inshallah. Inshallah. Do you think that some of the uh, aversion to reading by some of our our, our younger uh, generation in particular, 
uh, is because maybe some of the works that would depict or resonate with them and their experiences um, are not being uh, they are not being uh, produced. They're not being given the platform uh, that an MBA uh, Muslims is, is is pushing forward. Well, I think, first of all, it's very, very hard to do when you don't have the support that you need to do it, and a lot of them tend to go to self-publish. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you go into that whole realm of self-publishing, that is very, very demanding, and a lot of people don't tend not to want to do it. I think that it's very, very empowering personally, but it can be v- extremely daunting. So there are a lot of great self-publishers out there, African-American Muslim self-publishers, and I hope that they encourage young people who are saying, well, we're not represented, we, we, don't, we don't read what we want to read, to act to encourage them to write and to join in, in the authorship, because that is very, very important. We need to keep feeding our youth and encouraging them to become writers and to become authors and to tell their stories and share their stories with us. I think that there is overall a hesitancy, a hesitancy for young people to do that, because there's this whole idea that this, this restrictiveness that's in place that uh, very few authors uh, have pushed against. I think they're starting to push against that. We've been having conversations. That's one of the, the roles that NBA Muslims has play, been playing is pushing against this, this, this stringency that exists because when you look at Muslim, uh, Muslim fiction in totality throughout history, so Muslim stories throughout history, you know, there is this legacy in this literature that is very expansive and has layers and levels. And so we need to allow ourselves that. I mean, we're still at the point where Muslim authors in the, in the, in the United States and in the, in the U.K. are told, first and foremost, that fiction is haram, which I find incredible. But this is the way that we've been trained. And so we kind of have to have the opportunity to reconstruct our worldview when it comes to literature and when it comes to fiction, not think of it as something that is not only haram, but that is not essential. I mean, fiction has driven a lot of the world. Mm-hmm. People think that it's all about nonfiction. Fiction has played essential roles in the history of civilizations. I mean, when you look at the United States in particular, I can give you one example Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Yes. Okay. No one cared about people in the meat, the workers in the meatpacking mm-hmm. industry. No one was really concerned about how the meat was being produced in that industry until an author came, looked and saw what was happening, and wrote this fictional work about it. And just that book alone got the society to take a second look at this industry, not the people, but um, I digress. But take a look at this industry all the way up to the point where now you have the FDA. Fiction is essential. You cannot have a society and a civilization without it. We are storytellers naturally. Our creator, Allah, is a storyteller. There are, the Quran has stories and parables in it. He relates to his creation that way. Why are we so averse to relating to each other that way? I don't know. Well, uh, and hopefully if people are holding those types of sentiments, that uh, that argument you, you just gave is going to uh, cause them to second-guess that. Um, Sister Layla, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, unfortunately, as I, I was saying earlier, the clock is really cruel. Uh, I, hope, I know. I hope that we can get – this is not the last time that we're going to have you on Radio Slime. Uh, definitely not. Yeah, so we, we definitely <laughs> so. love to talk to you again. Um, and, and we'll put Please, up – everyone – 
Join the Twitter chat on the 25th. And also on the, on Thursday, Got 30 seconds. <laughs> please, the Twitter chat, uh, uh, Black Muslim Legacy with Sapelo Square. It's amazing the work that they're doing in preserving our black Muslim heritage. So it is our duty to join and support them. So it's Thursday okay. the 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I okay. had to say that. And the NBA Muslims, Black Muslim Reads Twitter chat is on Sunday. All right. So hopefully, Thank inshallah, everyone will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, Radio Slime family, we're going to have to get on out of here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, our producer for tonight for the first segment is Ibrahim Beg. Uh, the producer for the second segment is uh, yours truly, Tariq el Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Our engineer over at WCV is Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and are to be taken as representative of Sound Vision, Inc. We look forward to joining you tomorrow with Bashir Mac of Sepolo Square. And now we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.